0: I'm Berit Paulson of Nerke Kulturbryggeri and this is the Brewer to Brewer podcast from All About Beer. My guest today is Henok Fenty of Omni Poyo, and he's here for a conversation that goes beyond the brew house and into topics that matter to brewing professionals and curious beer drinkers. But first, I have to um, inform a little about uh, Visit All. Uh, that you can visit allaboutbeer.com and also follow on social media at media at allaboutbeer. And to support journalism in the beer space, check out patreon.com/slash allaboutbeer. We'll get into the conversation in conversation in just a moment, but first, a message.
1: First, he is a proud sponsor of the Brewer to Brewer podcast. With winter chill settling in, now is the time to take advantage of the toasted rice and fresh green character of Genmaicha tea in saisons, lagers, and cremales. Looking for other new ideas? Email info at firsttea.com. That's F-I-R-S-D-T-E-A to find the right teas and botanicals for your next project. And attention, brewers. Registration is now open for the 2024 Best of Craft Beer Awards. Now in its 10th year, this is a BJCP-sanctioned event judged by fellow brewers, professional judges, and industry leaders. Judged in Oregon, it's the third largest professional brewing competition in North America, and it's your chance to have your hard work evaluated and rewarded. In addition to traditional styles, new this year is the Smoothie Sour Style category and the collaboration competition. Register your beers through January 31st, 2024 by visiting bestofcraftbeerawards.com slash register. Don't delay. Learn more and get your beers signed up by visiting bestofcraftbeerawards.com slash register.
0: Okay, let's get into this. I will uh, 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 present my guest a little, uh, Henok Fenty. In 2010, he co-founded the Swedish brewery Omnipoyo and together with a graphic designer named Carl Grandin, uh, he shared uh, the vision of changing the perception of beer forever. Henoch has since created and released uh, over 600 beers in 60 markets worldwide and continues to rank amongst the top beer producers in the world. Early on, Henoch started experimenting with unconventional brewing methods, ingredients and serving techniques such as putting frozen foam on top of ice cream beer. Often drawing inspiration from the culinary world and the world in general, Hannock's uh, uh, work has spawned a plethora of smoothie and pastry beers on the one hand, and, but also beers such as the much debated yellow belly stout, a comment on institutionalized racism. Hannock believes that beer is pop culture and that it has every right to sit alongside other cultural expressions such as music and art. As of today, Henok runs the production facility in an old, deconsecrated church in Stockholm, in Sundbyberi, and Omnipoyo bars in Sweden, Germany, and Japan. So, welcome, Henok, to this conversation. We have known each other since a range of years already, and, and just recently we made a co together uh, but um, um, can you please uh, tell a little about the first time that we met? Do you remember that? I remember it vividly,
2: Berit, and thank you again for inviting me uh, to be a part of this show. It's a huge uh, honor and as a massive fan of you and Hoa Gea and Nike Kotubigiri for essentially as long as I can remember being a baby beer geek back in 2006. Um, uh, sitting in this show with you um, is a bit surreal uh, to me, but I remember vividly coming out to Örebro um, to a suburb of Örebro, uh, into a space uh, where you guys are still housed today um, mm-hmm. to hand label uh, Närke Porter. I think it might have even been Kaggen, the, the barrel aged version of that beer and in 2006 mm-hmm. that beer was the number one rated beer on ratebeer.com in the world, um, um, if I'm not remembering it wrong. And it was a pretty severe experience. Um, people would fly into Stockholm to to buy one or two bottles um, at Accurat, which is a, a bar in Stockholm that used to rank and probably still does as one of the best beer bars in the world. And all of a sudden, there we were sitting in the room, uh, hand labeling those small 25 CL uh, bottles um, of that precious liquid. Um, it was an yeah. amazing experience. Mm.
0: I I remember that you told me about that you were studying. I think you were studying economics in London, and then you got got in contact with a, um, a found the founder of a, a Swedish um, pubs called Bishop Arms. And then you got into Bishop's Arms. You you worked for Bishop's Arms for, for many years, didn't you?
2: Yes, I I I, um, I studied in, uh, in London for about three and a half years. Um, and up until that point, um, I was probably um, in my early uh, 20s. I had never had craft beer, uh, which is a, a bit um, remarkable because living in England, you know, you kind of think of going to the pub to drink a pint of uh, cask ale as as craft beer. I probably didn't do that for those three and a half years because uh, I didn't have my eyes open to it. So I was drinking Carling's, uh, incredibly bad cheap lager blended with soda and uh, su- such typical student stuff um, in London at the time. Um, and as I came back, I was, I'd gotten to know um, a fellow named Vicky Chakraborty uh, who owned a pub chain, uh, rightly so called the Bishop's Arms. And I started to work for him uh, for the head office uh, of that pub chain. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, 23 taps uh, of craft beer presented themselves to me. And I started uh, essentially deep diving into everything from Swedish uh, craft beer at the time um, to American beers. Uh, coming over, um, you know, in, in in various shapes and forms, um, um, IPAs that were um, kind of um, you know two or three months, uh, or maybe even five or six months old uh, at the time. But it completely opened uh, my my senses to what what this thing could be. Uh, and I worked there for for about six years. So yeah, that's right. I, I met craft beer in that very same moment. I met Nike, which is pretty amazing introduction to craft beer. I think.
0: And you visited us in, in the brewery together with the pub managers from the different um, Bishop Arms pubs in in the, the whole Sweden. Sweden and and then you you labeled the bottles yourself with the bottles that you bought for the pubs, didn't you? It was like yes, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah, talk about handcraft. Um yeah. it was a very amazing experience. I mean, even back then. Um, you know, it was pretty clear that you guys were doing something quite different from um, from what the rest of the c- scene were doing. But I mean, it was a very, very big leap from m- macro yeah, lager yeah. for me to drinking IPAs and and uh, and and light beers, and then let alone going into you know imperial stouts, 10, 9, 10 ABV, and and up. Um,
0: and it heavily
2: inspired me for the rest of my journey, as you can see.
0: Hmm. What what I I mean Bishop Arms pubs they they have done a lot, um in the different cities for the beer culture in Sweden I must say, um and and um, they serve local beers here and there, and and uh, this um, this company started ten years before we started, so there must not have been very much craft beer from the beginning, but then it happened, so. How did you did How did you th- what did you think about the development when, about this because it was like a volcano?
2: Yeah, no, that you're absolutely right. I mean, Bishop's Arms started in '93, and in mm-hmm. Sweden at the time, my understanding was that they were they had six uh, beers on draft, and you know, Czech yeah. beers, German beers, English uh, beers were available, so you could start there and then slowly kind of develop. Um, and, and and incorporate all the, the, the new developments that were, were coming, that came over time. And I think when I started in 2006, um, one of my earliest tasks was, okay, how do we figure out how to add people, younger people to our uh, customer list? And it was, you know, for me, um, pretty challenging because an English style pub isn't exactly something that I associate with youth. Um, it was, uh, it's, a, uh, it's you know, very cozy and quiet atmosphere. Great, you know, for my age now, perhaps uh, I'm 40 plus. Uh, but at the time it was, it felt like it felt a, li- a little bit of a, ch- it felt like it was a little bit of a challenge until this kind of very clear youth driven, partly um, uh, craft beer revolution started making some noise, which I think. For me, it was around at that, that time. I mean, these these pretty modern beers coming over from 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 the U.S. and and kind of uh, also from an artwork perspective, uh, quite progressive um, uh, outlook on what beer could not just taste like, but also what it could look like. Um, and so that was kind of the mantra that was that 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 uh, we were were traveling around with was okay. We're not gonna add younger customers to our to our customer base by you know, updating the food uh, or the music, uh, but it's gonna be by by having, you know, the best selection of craft beer um, that we can possibly have. And and I think Bishop's Arms really um, developed during those years into a place in smaller cities, um, mostly uh, where you would, would be the number one choice for people that wanted to drink great craft beer.
0: Mm. Yeah. But suddenly during this time, you decided to to try to make your own beer. You were a home brewer for some years, weren't you?
2: Yeah, I mean. What happened? What happened? I mean, I think back of it, and um, it's uh, you know, luckily in 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 massive naivete, like the idea the idea of making beer at home came you know dropped like a bomb to me like most homebrewers you know like I can make alcohol at home like let me try that let me try and see what that gives you know and while at the same time you know being surrounded by all this amazing beer I think my first attempts at homebrewing were quite disappointing you know like I knew what could be made and the results were more or less, you know, uh, undrinkable until I brewed a, a dark beer um, and so that kind of like got me into the, I, it's, you know, kind of idea of, okay, how can I keep brewing this for friends and family at, at different, you know, gatherings and, and make it, you know, more and more exciting, given also what I've seen, you know, what you guys were doing and a couple of other producers. I remember of, uh in in the Netherlands and Mennow mm. at the helm being a huge inspiration early on uh, as well in terms of brewing dark big bold um, mm. beers but it wasn't until a couple of years later um until more or less kind of towards the end part of my my journey with the bishop's arms that I've started thinking about what would happen if you know if we were to brew something commercially uh, somewhere and try to try to release it and and that was a completely different driver and motivation for me. Simply put, I kind of felt like I was forcing my friends to go to beer bars because I wanted to drink great beer, but they just wanted to go somewhere else, you know, in terms of atmosphere. And Mm -hmm. um, this idea of trying to brew something that could be a gateway drug into craft beer, uh, like something very drinkable, but that still had, you know, the allure of American tropical hops uh, came um, as I, I, had a, I had a sabbatical year in, in Belgium towards the end of my my journey at uh, the Bishop's Arms and so the first beer Lavon which is a champagne yeast blonde ale um, dry hot lightly with Amarillo and Simcoe uh, kind of came into the picture so it was a very different It was kind of home brewer brewing dark beer and then first commercial beer that comes out is a blonde ale you know yeah. the like a Belgian equivalent of a macro yeah. beer, essentially, but with a little bit of, of, uh, American hops in it.
0: Because uh, when this happened, you, you, you didn't start a brewery. You, you brew no. your beer in other breweries. Huh? And I, I remember that, that, um, we, <laughs> and some other, um, brewers, we made jokes about this and, and, um, uh, we thought it was a little lazy not to have your own brewery, and, uh, and yeah, we never yelled at each other, but I know we made jokes about this, and you just laughed and said, well, well, this is my style, and we'll see, and, and, and I like the beer, and do you, rem- do you remember our meetings at that time?
2: I definitely remember them, and you know, to to be fair, like like I I harbor uh, I harbor and I still do immense respect for for brewers who have their own brick and mortar brewery, and you know, ten. I have respect for later, your way
0: too, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, but 15 years later, you know, here here I am, and 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 honestly, yeah. like I, I more now than ever before, I I can I I see. Uh, you know the struggles and and the everyday life uh, that goes into it, having your own know, uh, production facility. But for me to be uh, to be completely uh, transparent from the very very onset, I f- I, f- I figured this would be a hobby project, and so for mm-hmm. me, which I think, kind of made it less uh, dramatic in the sense that I just wanted to get. Beer out that transmitted a message around kind of where we wanted to, to you know craft beer to go going forward. Like I wanted to be a part of the movement and the discourse going forward, and the fastest and most um, um, fair way for me to do that without you know um, starting to brew something that you know was undrinkable or or otherwise was to go and learn from someone. And I think in that journey like meeting um, Dirk from at the Proof Brewery was um, hugely transformational for me and formative uh, as a young aspiring commercial brewer just being able to hang out at that brewery and seeing you know getting to pick his brains around how he was thinking about beer and brewing and it was almost like a free course into you know commercial commercial brewing but while at the same time getting feedback and and uh, people's opinions about you know what would work and what would would fly a knot on a commercial level by releasing beers coming out and I, I even remember a pin from from uh, uh from your brewery that said something about the proof yeah. as we were brewing there which I thought was uh quite um quite uh, quite succinct. What was what was the, what was the message on that pin again? Yeah, if you don't uh, have...
0: perhaps perhaps I can say it, and if it's not, uh, um, correct for the pod, they can cut it out because we wrote yeah. like this. If you don't have the nuts, the proof got the guts. That's it, and I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have the
1: nuts. So was... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, but we,
0: definitely... we, we we made we we made some jokes about this, and the, we called it cuckoo breweries because. You know the cuckoo bird puts his eggs in in different nests, other nests from other birds and stuff like that. It was a hard discussion then, but but I really must say, um, the most interesting thing is what comes out of it. And if the beer is good, that's good. So really, so it was. This is really a part of our humor, and we also make some really. Um, nasty things about ourselves, like uh, we make strong beers, for instance, and we put them on oak barrel, and we say if it didn't taste okay, use oak. Yeah. so <laughs>
2: Or dry hopping, make or other. I barrels. mean, I've heard every. Yeah. But huh? I, mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think I think, but the, the the beauty of of it to me, uh, if, you know, and this movement in general is is that it's we're supplying variety, right? And I think yeah. it's not yeah. just variety of beers; it's variety yeah. of ideas and approaches and methods and business models and what have you. And I think today it's much more varied in terms of everything. Like I even want to go as far as saying people that worked with craft beer back then looked different. They were, you know, uh, they were men mostly and, you know, not a very um, a multicultural environment to move around. in. I think even that's changed. Over the past 15 years, and I, I you know, I'm seeing a lot of positives, uh, in that. You know, with that said, um, sure. Like we had, I mean, we still get like a lot of um, a lot of feedback around wh- how, how we work and what we do. Um, but then again, you know, that's what makes it all the more rewarding. I had to work work for your, um, for 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 your respect, Berit. <laughs> yeah. you know? Fifteen years later, I work for your <laughs> <birth> too,
0: <laughs> and you, you you know, and I know that there are people in the beer scene they really um, uh, can't stand what you are doing, and and this is interesting because yep. beer is beer, and and the beer is ten thousands of years old. And in the latest podcast from Brewer to Brewer, I I uh, talked to Matthias Trum from Schlenkela in 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 Germany, and I mean he he, he brews from the the purity laws of the um, Deutsche Reinheitsgebot. And you, you're you allowed only to use molds and hops and water and yeast. And 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 when I asked him about this, I, I must admit you don't need other stuff, but people always put uh, other stuff in their beer for changing the chase. They used herbs, they used uh, fruits and, and just the things that you do. People have done that for 10,000 years. So it's really nothing new that you're doing and it's okay oh, right. yeah yeah
2: which it was a and... great interview by the way um i, I was listening to it this uh, morning yours and uh, matthias's
0: oh yeah okay yeah. yeah no you're right you're right yeah, i mean I... coming
2: from belgium where i was living uh, when when kind of Omnipoil was uh, conceived that's it one one market where definitely you see a lot of variety in terms of ingredient choices and
0: yeah,
2: um, and so on and so forth. So I agree. Um,
0: yeah.
2: yeah, nothing new. Uh,
0: I hope we we will get back to to a little uh, more about your fantastic ra- range of uh, of uh, ingredients. But first, I wanted to ask you a little about the name of the brewery because you have a brewery now, and this is in in an, um, um, a church. In it wasn't church in the a suburb. Or Sumberberry is a small town, really close to Stockholm. Yep. So yep. you changed it totally to a brew, brewery and then um, tell me a little bit more about that and also about the name Omnipoyo, please.
2: Well, um, yes. So we're uh, three years in um, we, to the kind of a brewery owner journey of uh, of Omnipoyo and um, we've been dreaming and thinking about opening our own facility for, for quite some time. And uh, at, at some point I kind of felt like on the one hand, it has to be small enough not to completely um, occupy every minute of our day, because we, we love traveling and and learning and working with with breweries near and and far. So we want it to be quite quite free in that in that regard. But on the other hand, uh, as the volumes grew, we also realized if we're going to be able to do anything meaningful, it needs to be at a certain size for it to make. Makes sense, both in terms of investment, but also a small brewery and a big brewery kind of requires the same amount of time. Um, as you know, uh, it's it's labor intense, even if it's uh, a small batch. So yeah. I wouldn't say it's a mid-sized brewery. It's a pretty small brewery, but it's still quite uh, a lot of volume for us um, that we can brew here. And so it's become a, a very exciting part of our, our portfolio. I would say about 80% of what we produce is produced here at the church right now, which is yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'm enjoying. Um, this um, this um, uh, church is called Omnipoyos Shirka, which, which means church uh, in mm-hmm. Swedish. And the name Omnipoyo, I get that question every tasting I do. Uh, it's always a long, uh, cumbersome um, uh, uh, answer to that question, but sim- simply put. It's a combination of two words. One, which is omnipotence, and the other one, which is pollo, which is the Spanish word for chicken. Um, and, and The reason for that is, when the uh, kind of idea of the, the brewing uh, operation came to be, there was an uh, there was an idea that it could take us places, like a bird that could fly. um Weirdly enough, pollo might not be the bird that you would think of as a bird that would fly pretty far and near, but. It's it's uh, a, a trip to Spain to Grenada and the idea of having a bird as part of the name kind of you rendered the name Omnipoyo. Mm. So
0: that's,
2: that's kind of where it, where it comes from. <laughs> so we have a yeah. tap room too, so if anyone wants to come by at some point, we're ready to to receive um, receive you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so. Um, um... Now, uh, your uh, chicken has flowed around the world, Henok. <laughs> and it. we will talk a little more about that after a short break. So uh, we, uh, we talk again after the break.
1: First, tea invites you to talk tea for a sec. The crisp, clean notes of a classic pilsner provide the perfect space for Jen Matcha's tea's toasty rice and fresh green tea character. Contact the team at First Tea about how to use Gemmica to green tea and other botanicals by emailing info at firsttea.com. That's F I R S D T E A. And attention, brewers. Registration is now open for the 2024 Best of Craft Beer Awards. Now in its 10th year, this is a BJCP sanctioned event judged by fellow brewers, professional judges, and industry leaders. Judges in Oregon, it's the third largest professional brewing competition in North America, and it's a chance to have your hard work evaluated and rewarded. In addition to traditional styles, new this year is the Smoothie Sour Style category and the Collaboration competition. Register your beers through January 31st, 2024 by visiting bestofcraftbeerawards.com register. Don't delay. Learn more and get your beer signed up by visiting bestofcraftbeerawards.com slash register
0: okay Henok, your chicken has flowed around the world uh, spreading the beer culture and your uh, very very different beers so so, um, um, tell me about your world tour
2: well, um, I mean, I think um, when you were talking to uh, Matthias uh, trumat you talked at quite some length about Systembolaget. Yeah. I think as a Swedish beer producer, you always have to have a relationship or not a relationship to the fact that you sell beer through one store. I think Systembolaget is great, but at the time, uh, again, back to the idea of you know, being a bit cautious around kicking this off as a business, but rather more as a hobby project, I actually found it easier to con- to think to conceive of the fact that we could send beer to the U.S. than to sell beer through Sustiembologat. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason for that, the reasons for that are many. Um, one of them being, as a contract brewer, this just was not a natural. There was just not a natural way of selling beer and through system because the, the system isn't designed for for that rightly so in many uh, regards but for us it just was didn't make sense um but also the fact that we were focusing on quite extreme beers if you will and I think that finding small pockets of enthusiasts in say 45 countries was easier for us than finding one big market in Stockholm or uh, Gothenburg or across across Sweden. So we started exporting our beer pretty pretty early on. And mm-hmm. one thing that was very important for that to happen was um, garnering, you know, good ratings on ratebeer.com or other uh, similar forums. Uh, and so it was a very, it was, it was a chase, chase for high ratings. I remember checking ratebeer.com out probably like 10 times a day the first couple of years just to make sure our beers were faring well. And it was very clear that if, when they weren't they weren't selling that well, and when they were they were selling well. So that was really kind of a a driver um, for 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 our develop for our you know a, a vehicle for us to get out into the world. Um, but it's been ex- an exciting ride. We still export to about forty five uh, countries today. And we started with I think twelve, and and then you know kind of added one or two more markets every. Uh, Every year, um, Mm -hmm. and today we're in we're in forty five. Some of them we send beer to, and some of them we we brew uh, locally um, and sell. Mm -hmm. uh, Which I also think is is, has always been quite important to me is, okay, how can I get beer out in the best shape and try to transmit an idea? If it's brewing locally and selling it fresh, I'd much rather do that than sending beer, let's say across the Atlantic. That's hoppy or something.
0: Yeah, that's a risky trip. Mm. yeah yeah mm. yeah and now um, um it's really I, I admire the success of Omnipoio because uh, in in europe we sometimes say that all roads end up in rome so there are really a lot of different ways to run a brewery and n- 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 no method is is the best or the or the worst so you have to find your own road that's the thing
2: I agree. And you, I mean, Nike Kulturbyggeri is a testament to that in, in many ways. I mean, you still manage to walk your path very very clearly, irregardless uh, of trends, um, you know, the, and other things that are happening around you. Um, very much to the delight of beer drinkers and, and enthusiasts um, around the world, which I think is, again, super inspiring, while at the same time being open to, you know, inviting a nut job like me to a podcast, you know, (laughs) I think it's, you know, you have, you have both, both of those. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we have, we have worked with quite a lot of brewers over the past years, I want to say, you know, out of the 600 somewhat beers we've made, at least two thirds of those are collaborations. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that one thing that kind of uh, unites every single one of those brewers that we've worked with some that are, you know, first generation and some that are many generations back is curiosity. And I, mm. I think that that's, that's always been kind of a um, a, a joy to be a part of uh, going mm. forward, irregardless of which path you choose.
0: Mm. And this is interesting, because you also present your your project like beer is uh, a culture, just like other uh, cultures, like uh, music and 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 art and and stuff, and and we also think in that way because, uh, why do you do uh collabs? Because it's the same thing with musicians; they they jam together, uh, and if you're a choreograph, you you want to work with other dancers and and stuff like that. So really, it's the same; it's culture, and you're creating something. So, uh, I I I was happy to. To do this Cobro um, uh, from Nerki and Omnipo, just recently, and we are going to do one in our brewery also in in uh, some time, a short time, I hope. And it was so interesting, and you learn so much from talking to the, to the team uh, in the brewery and and how. Can you tell me a little about how you are thinking when you are creating a taste, when you choose your raw materials and, and stuff that you put into a beer? Because you put this stuff into the beer also during the process, don't you? Tell me about yeah. this. Yeah,
2: no, absolutely. I mean, it was wonderful having uh, you guys over. You're making me nervous now that, uh, you know, oh. that you have to say that you're happy after you try the beer. You know?
0: <laughs> I tried well, it halfway. I tried, yeah, it, I halfway. tried it halfway. It, it uh, I, tells me it, I, this is going to be good. <laughs>
2: Oh, but it's gonna be great. It's the, it's a team favorite already. It's resting in bourbon barrels now. Um, it's 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 an amazing uh, beer. I'm not gonna to spoil too much about what it is um, until it comes out. But um, yeah. I mean, we 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 try to. It's every year is different for us, and in, in a sense, because like I, I almost feel like every year I meet a brewer or have a brewery experience that changes my. Perception of what this process is all about. What mm-hmm. if I try to kind of see one common thought that's been, you know, w- with us from the very start is that I usually find that I, if I can explain what the beer is pretty easily and it's uh, intuitive, um, it's it's less risky. And so I try to kind of like have a, you know quick conversation with my kids or something around what the beer is if they understand what it is like hey it's a pancake beer you know um then it's it's i don't see a huge risk in adding maple syrup and vanilla to a style you know like it's usually an easy if i have to start explaining what it is to to a a, a great length it usually becomes uh, a beer that i tend to enjoy slightly less um and so it's become it's become you know quite quite like simplified in the sense that I try to I try to basically see it as hey if I can if I can explain it very easily um, I'm very I'm pretty you know I'm pretty straightforward when it comes to flavors like I don't um, I don't go quite risky although that might be what people associate it with like we you know if we add bacon for example which on the one hand could be considered as uh, risky or maybe a bit unconventional. You know that mm-hmm. will go into a beer that we have all the confidence it will um will will be able to take that ingredient and it'll also be something that you know we've tried out and tested and like, I'm pretty low on the risk spectrum, uh, but I'm pretty high on the idea of okay if it says that it's something on the bottle or the can, uh, you better taste that that's what's in the beer uh, once it comes out, um, mm-hmm. you know without losing too much. Balance uh, or, or similar, um, but yeah. So basically, a, a, a an intuitive, childish approach is kind of. Do you
0: think there out. is any limit uh, uh, about uh, uh, for for what you can put in a beer?
2: I don't. I mean, I I I I, uh, I don't envy wine makers in that regard because uh, there are definitely limits to what you can put into wine. Mm-hmm. But with beer, uh, unless it harms your body, uh, you know. More than say, let's say, what alcohol uh, yeah. does. Um, I don't see that there's a, a limit. Actually, uh, I think you can work with savory. I think you can work with sweet. Um, you know that there's there's no limit. Honestly, I even work with fat. Uh, I know that that's something that a lot of brewers swear. Uh, Sorry,
0: I didn't hear you work with
2: with, with fat, like fatty flavors. Yeah.
0: Okay. yeah.
2: Um. So we've used butter. Good. Yeah, cream. Uh, a bunch of other things. Um. And I, I think that that's uh, you know it's it's a question of like trying to figure out how to use the ingredients, not if or or or, or you know yeah, it, um, and 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 why <laughs> rather. Um, I think it was a pretty interesting um, exercise to build a brewery uh, with a German equipment provider. Uh, so we mm-hmm. worked with uh, Braucon uh, in mm-hmm. the end. We had tenders out with a bunch of uh, different equipment providers you know they are the best in in the in the world of building breweries um, as far as i'm i'm concerned and, but the challenge was to a large extent um to have these conversations with german equipment providers around why what we wanted to do uh, based i based the, the you know specifications were more or less we're home brewers but we want to brew Uh, 80 hectoliters of uh, imperial stout with this and that adjunct and this and that play-doh and it was a quite tall order in terms of what the system was supposed to do Um, and uh, the question that often came up, not from Braukholm but just generally when we were discussing this uh, was why would you want to do that rather than how can we do it? (laughs) How can we make it work? And Mm -hmm. I think that that's to me, yeah, it was a kind of a a, a slightly different approach. I mean, I I think it's great because it's most interesting things happen, you know, in in that cross that intersection between, you know, um, tried and tested, traditional, and Mm -hmm. new and, you know, slightly more um, uh, boundary pushing, if you will, if you want to use those words. Uh, ideas and I think most of our collaborations for example that have been my favorite beers have been when we've brewed with a brewery that has a very strict idea about what they do and Mm -hmm. we try to exercise you know ideas about what what we do and that that meeting um, which I also honestly think applies to the beer that we're brewing together I mean most most of those beers I tend to enjoy it slightly more than when it's two very similar breweries working together.
0: Mm, mm. But uh, this uh, ingredient the, f, uh, to put fat in the, the to put fat in the beer um, uh, it could be a very um, beer without foam so i just created a new button would you like to hear it? Yes. I'm not only in it for the foam. <laughs> That's it. Perfect, huh? That's
2: exactly it.
0: You can, you can use it too, Hänok.
2: No, but I mean, like to be fair, that's a, usually, I mean, it's a question of taste. too. it's like, it depends on what style it is to me as well. Like we brew a lot of lager beer. Yeah. Now We have our own brewery and, you know, it's like, it's a very different approach to me yeah. that goes into that than when we're brewing something dark or, or something uh, hoppy, for, for example. I remember brewing... A, a, a beer in the U.S. in Maryland at a brewery called Dog. This is in 2014, and we were we thought we were brewing a West Coast double IPA, and mm-hmm. it came out uh, looking like pea soup, super hazy. Yeah. Uh, and at, at the time, you know, we had pre-printed our bottles, 75 cl bombers, which is like the way to sell beer. Uh, in the U.S. at the time. Uh, so we'd spend all our, our money essentially on, on these pre-printed bottles uh, mm-hmm. and the beer came out completely hazy. And mm-hmm. the brewery that we were working with uh, called us. and They said, hey, we're going to have to dump this beer uh, because it looks like pea soup. We, You're yeah. not going to be able to sell it. <laughs> and it was just not an option because we would have gone bankrupt. So we asked them yeah. to send us send us samples of it. And it was a hazy beer, you know, very soft, beautiful aroma. Um, but it did look very hazy. And I called around to a bunch of friends and asked, you know, when, how long will this take to settle? And, you know, what, what should we do? And oh, oh, oh. and we released the beer anyway, and kind of like embrace the haze slogan, blah, blah, blah. And it, what do you have it, you know, s- s- nine years later, everyone's drinking hazy beer, 10 years later, as if that's, it's always been around, you know, yeah. and I, I think and in a way, it kind of has through like wheat beer uh, and similar. But it's like I think the, the 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 visual aspect of our beers is on the one hand super important because we have a marketing tool that is social media. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's kind of unimportant. It's like as long as it tastes good and smells yeah. amazing, it's kind of on. You know, if it's if if a stout has foam or not isn't gonna mm-hmm. make my life. Better or worse?
0: No, and when you when you also look historically uh, on this matter, uh, it's a very short time in uh, human history that we are drinking um, out of glasses because we are we we use the wooden uh, um glass <laughs> wooden yeah. uh, drinking what is it vessels yeah
2: vessels
0: like, yeah they, and they, also uh, like um, ker- ceramic yeah
2: yeah. I mean, that's I, that's that's why I love talking to you about uh, every, everything. It's like you always put it into perspective, you know, and I, I think I was very occupied with, in the very early, very early days, I was very occupied with, okay, I don't have a brewery. How do I not offend anyone more than that? You know? <laughs> and then after a while, it just became, okay, let me just forget about that and try to, you know, not offend, you know, as many people as possible. But let's just you know let me just do something um uh, th- th- that i feel like doing and mm-hmm. kind of just like fell into place so much other things happened so many other brewery- breweries opened that no one cared anymore so and then yeah other stuff happened you know and i came along with that But i agree it's um but but i do i must say though as i've grown older i think you know i've abv like alcohol content has gone down in our beers slightly yeah. um and we're more focused on executing within styles um you know when it's when when that's the exercise at hand like lager beers and Hoppy beers specifically is a very big focus for us here at the the church and we really want to nail um nail them um you know rather than push and innovate within the category uh, when it comes to those beers like the kind of more easy drinking, uh, beers that are, that are designed to be that way.
0: Yeah. I think one of the mo- uh, 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 most um, uh, impressive things about Omnipojo beers is that you you make super good um, uh, pastry stouts and super good Pilsner beers. And that's a great range of taste, really. Thank you, Beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um You also, you said you were going into this project um, uh, or you presented that like that anyway so um, for um, for changing um, what people think about beer and it should be changed forever and you also you also um, i mean today we have some uh, movements in sweden we have a group of women feministas they are making beers uh, uh, of uh, they are uh, women brewing and for women and we have we have a, a discussion about uh, equality and uh, um, not um, uh, harassments in pubs and, and and in the working life and stuff like that. And you also are talking about um, you want to comment on inst- institutionalized racism. Um, can you tell me a little about that, Henok?
2: I think you know, for me and and Carl, so Omnipo has always been a, a, a dialogue between. Uh, first, uh, me and Carl, my co-founder uh, and partner, and today between everyone who works at Omnipoya as we've grown bigger as an organization. But I think that for me, running a company uh, was always uh, going to be about, you know, trying to bring who we are into the project. And I think that a lot of, you know, the conventional... Wisdom kind of says that you know don't mix business and politics, and I think that that has been super hard for me because uh, I, I just don't see it as separate things. Politics is everywhere, and so from, for 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 me and for for Carl, pretty early on, as we were having, especially when we were traveling, for, as we were having conversations about you know beer and the world, it kind of became pretty natural for us to incorporate. What we were talking about in the world at the time into our different beer projects. And it could be anything from the beer in itself uh, to the artwork that was going on to the cans to the communication around the, the beer and the, uh, and the can and where the bottle. And I think Yellow Belly is probably the most uh, obvious example of a situation where we were frustrated because of a EU election that had just occurred, like taken place in Sweden, where uh, a right wing party. Um, kind of came out much, much higher than they were polled and estimated to come out at because people were walking out of the poll saying one thing, and then in reality, they'd voted for for another party. And um, at the same time, we'd been paired together with a brewery in, in England, amazing friends of ours called Buxton Brewery uh, for, a, for a project called the Rainbow Project. And in that project, you'd been assigned a color of the rainbow. And with that color, you were supposed to create a beer. And you know they were amazing breweries, uh, part of this project, and we kind of felt that you know we needed to not just make an amazing beer, but also have uh, you know to try to bring bring in some of our thoughts on the trip, literally over to to England to go brew uh, that beer, and so we came up with this concept of a cowardice act, uh, um, and um, and try to and w- wove that into to the Yellow Belly beer. Which is essentially a bottle with a with a um, um, a cloak on top of it, with two holes in it, um, kind of provocative imagery uh, for something that was really an anti-racist um, kind of manifestation in our in our minds. And the one thing going back to the beer again was okay, the, uh, craft beer is uh, and on the one hand, natural ingredients uh, and and uh, and crafty process. And here we were as a contract brewery using uh, unnatural aromas in a craft beer. So it was like on the one hand, let's brew a a craft beer according to all the rules um, uh, surrounding that, like be super uh, rigorous around it. But let's also try to use technology to accentuate flavor. So we made a peanut uh, butter biscuit stout with no peanuts, um, uh, butter or nuts. Uh, Mm. (laughs) And, it, and, and, you know, that was kind of a, a way of saying, hey, this is something that says it's one thing, but it's not. Uh, it's not a peanut butter biscuit stout, it's just a, an imperial stout, a delicious imperial stout, but with peanut uh, butter uh, aroma. Back to the nuts. We keep going back to that period. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah. it, you know, and, and I think it just, with Carl's amazing imagery, Um, And it came together as being more. And that brings us back to the idea of it being pop culture. Like this is not a question of someone going to work nine to five to make, you know, malt beverage uh, um, and go home again. It's it's our life. Um, And I think that beer, amongst other beers that we've uh, uh, released over the years, hopefully tells the story of people. Um, behind the beer and and you know this not this being our entire platform it's like making music and saying it's not you know don't mix music in politics I mean, it's mm-hmm. a, even you wouldn't hear that you know. Mm.
0: Um, I I have another button we, which we used for for many years which says beer is always politics.
2: You have a button for everything we should I definitely make <laughs> we have to make a collaborative uh, button Seriously.
0: Yeah. yeah 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 because it's really because there are so many laws uh, telling about what can what can you write on a label for instance we had a beer called rainbow warrior and it was uh, uh, meant to be our manifestation for uh, um, equality for, uh, for human rights and stuff like that and we were not allowed to put that uh, on the label because there can't be politics on the label so we made we made a beer uh, which was called International oh, Ale, yeah. and, uh, and the text yeah. under the, the the name was "Beer is always politics," and that was approved. Can you understand this, hanok
2: This is, I mean, it's it's. Um, it, I mean, I, I think, I mean, there's yeah, there's definitely a pushback on the idea of bringing yourself into the business if yeah. it's if it doesn't rub everyone the right way, and that, that mm-hmm. kind of like. It's it's a bit uh, hurtful because there's so many. I mean, there're 400 plus breweries just in Sweden. You know <laughs> how many are there yeah. in the world? I think. Yeah. You know, five years ago there were like thirty-six thousand or something on on rape Today it's probably twice that. Yeah. Uh, mm. Like if you're not going to bring yourself into then what you know what what are we doing? You know, it's like mm. it's a little yeah kind of false yeah. false short. Yeah. Uh, but I I agree. I mean, you guys have always it doesn't cut. It's not. You know, it doesn't come. It comes very natural for you guys to to bring yourselves into it. I mean, you can feel you and and you know, gear in the beer, in every beer,
0: uh, yeah. that that
2: that's come out of Närke, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. So I just recently um, talked you into our small scale brewers, uh, small scale independent brewers association in Sweden. Yep. So now you're a member. Uh, Omnipoyo is a member. Uh, thank you, Henok. And, and um, the, more, the more we get, uh, uh, the stronger we will be. So what are you thinking about the um, uh, independent breweries association in Sweden? What are Maybe, you waiting for?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, I've always felt like an outsider everywhere <laughs> in my entire <laughs> life. Uh, and I think as a contract brewer, I definitely felt like I was an outsider uh, in terms of the Swedish uh, brewing scene. And I think having our own facility and, uh, you know, the kindness of yourself uh, being invited, it felt very natural and we're, we're all very excited about it. I mean, I think the entire team uh, at Omnipoyo feels like, okay, this is one, another step, uh, you know, to coming home Um, as we've been, as you say, the chicken has flown all over the place and it kind of feels like, you know, we are... Um, staying staying put more in Sweden, I, I think you know being part of the community and helping the community achieve its goals is is just been a natural kind of next step. But also, you know, the, again back to the idea of feeling like an an outsider, I, I think, um, this this definitely kind of takes takes that it, it takes some of that feeling away from it. And um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we've just joined. Uh, we'll try to help as much as we can. I think this is a tough um, couple of years that we have uh, behind us and maybe in front of us in terms of uh, uh, craft beer as a whole. Uh, I think we shrunk for the first time at the segment this year. If you compare it to other years, it's been like double digit, digit growth, you know, five years ago, and now it's 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 a tougher market with inflation and yeah, a bunch of different things like now more than ever it's going to be important that some of these um um political decisions that might help the craft beer scene gets um uh, pushed along and then i think the 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 um, independent brewers association is going to is going to be a key part in making that happen.
0: Mm. Yeah. We have some work to do together. Definitely. Yeah, um, Henok, I, I think that um, together, um, you and me and all the uh, other um, different uh, brewers in Sweden and in the world, we we can help saving this world. I don't really know how it will happen, but I believe this will happen because beer is the answer to many questions. It's uh, socializing people, it's a uh, it's, uh, culture... And it was always here uh, uh, as uh, after that, we, uh, we uh, left our uh, nomad life and started to grow grains. So it changed the society. So I hope it also will have helped rescuing it.
2: I totally agree. I mean, you're such a, you know, um, optimistic person via it. And it's very, very in- inspiring. And, you know, from a from a consumer perspective, I just wondered, I, you know, will people just be able to go back now that the door is opened? You know, beer can taste different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It can be many things. I just mm-hmm. don't see a world in where you know in which we all of a sudden wouldn't have choice. You know, like that's uh, I have a hard time seeing that that happen. It's gonna get tough for sure. Um, and uh, but but I think people will vote with their wallets, and I think that they will choose variety um, yeah.
0: mm.
2: You know, over the opposite, over
0: time. Mm. Henok, we are soon uh, reaching uh, the end of this uh, uh, show. Uh, is there anything that you uh, want to um, uh, com- complete uh, uh, our talk with, perhaps something that I didn't think of or you didn't think of until now? I
2: mean, it's it's uh, it's such a pleasure to talk to you always, uh, Beatit, and I'm um, I'm um, you know I'm i d- d- be humbled and happy to be invited to come and and have a chat with you, and and uh, honestly, I look forward to coming over and brewing at your brewery. That's gonna be very interesting, and I wonder how that will uh, change my perspective on uh, how I what I what I see um, in the process of making beer for 2024. So be ready. I'm going to ask a lot of questions when
0: I come. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy that you uh, said yes. When I asked you to be in this show, I admire you and your beer. And I also admire your team because you have a very nice um, atmosphere in your, in your group. And I love that. It's, it's important for your results to have a nice atmosphere.
2: Definitely, we've been blessed to uh, attract some of the uh, nicest and most skilled people in the world to come to come work with us to build this uh, project. And uh, I couldn't be I couldn't be happier. And I'm happy. I'm happy you share that that view after having been been with us uh, not just one day but several times. You've been to the church mm. a, b- a bunch of times, delivering beers, if uh, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, and drinking your beers at your uh, pub in the central of, of uh, Stockholm Omniprojo's hat. So th- yes. it's a nice and very nice pizzas also there. Hmm. Okay, uh, Henok, thank you so much for being on this uh, show together with me.
2: Thank so you, We, ho- thank we will you talk
0: more me. about our next project when we are on the phone uh, later in the week and next week and so on. So thank you, Henok.
2: Sounds great. Thank you so much, Beren.
0: Bye. And Henok will be back on the next episode of this show and the host he will be the host having a conversation with the conversation with a brewer of his choosing that will be on the air in 2 weeks or so and so make sure you tune in for that. Visit allaboutbeer.com and follow on social media and to support journalism in the beer space check out patreon.com/allaboutbeer. I'm Berit Carlson of Culture Brigade. Thank you for listening.
1: This episode was brought to you by Genmaicha. Genmaicha Green Tea truly dances with Cezannes, Lagers, and Kolsch. First Tea is your source for Genmaicha tea and botanicals that fit the season and unique flavor profiles you're looking for. Email info at firsttea.com. That's F-I-R-S-D-T-E-A to discover the right teas and botanicals for your next project. And attention, brewers. Registration is now open for the 2024 Best of Craft Beer Awards. Now in its 10th year, this is a BJCP-sanctioned event, judged by fellow brewers, professional judges, and industry leaders. Judged in Oregon, it's the third largest professional brewing competition in North America, and it's a chance to have your hard work evaluated and rewarded. In addition to traditional styles, new this year is the Smoothie Sour Style category and the Collaboration competition. Register your beers through January 31st, 2024 by visiting bestofcraftbeerawards.com slash register. Don't delay. Learn more and get your beer signed up by visiting bestofcraftbeerawards.com slash register.